Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is David Patrick Carey with Church of the Eternal Logos, and I have a very special guest that I'm sure all of you are quite familiar with, Michael Wickoff. Brother Augustine, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's good to be back and good to see you again. Man, um, it's been a while. As we were kind of talking back privately since we've been able to go back and forth, you've gotten married, um, and you are really you know producing more content over on Rockfin. You got your Minor Profit series. I saw you now. You're doing music stuff. So uh, I'm curious, just uh, what what life has been like since being a married man? Has there been some notable? changes i mean uh, i'm sure living that bachelor life is a little bit different with somebody <laughs> right there next to you now it's very different uh life has been busy it has been good um it has been edifying i mean marriage is um you can't really you can't understand orthodox marriage until you're in it um if you told me 10 years ago i was going to be in a monogamous orthodox christian marriage <laughs> you'd I would have asked person you I would have two questions be a monk I would have asked two questions. What are you smoking? And can I borrow some, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, God brings us what's best for our salvation, right? And right. the woman that he brings to us is not only the best one for our salvation, but the one that we are best for her salvation as right. well. Um, and marriage is so different from what people think it is. Like I see people, and I was guilty of this too back then when I was a single guy, like making your list of qualifications and I want this, yep. this, and this, but this trait, this trait, and this trait, I don't want like you're thinking of it in such a secular way yep. with no real regard for what's best for your soul. Of course you have yep. preferences, right? Of course you have preferences. Everyone has preferences, right. but I don't see anyone anywhere talking about this going, well, I hope God brings me the woman that helps, you know, reveal the passions that I can then bring to confession for healing, <laughs> yeah. which is what marriage is. It's right, a mirror. Right. And it's a real, you know, there's, there's martyrdom. nowhere to run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're dating somebody and you met my wife yep. at trad forum when she was my girlfriend yep. at the time, when you're dating someone, I mean, you're always on your best behavior around them. And if you get in a mood where you feel like you're going to lose it or, you know, do show some weakness or flaw of some kind, you just go home, right? right? To keep that kind of facade going. But when you're married to someone and you're around them all the time, every day, there's nowhere to run from yourself. There's nowhere to run from your sins and your flaws. I mean, they'll be brought up. And people sometimes hear me say that and they think that I mean the woman's going to sit there scolding you saying, here's what's wrong with you. Here's what needs to change. I don't mean that at all. In fact, that's horrible. And I hope that never happens. I mean that if you are a vigilant person who has nepsis, watchfulness over your own soul and your noose, you will notice things just getting inflamed inside you based on certain things that you're experiencing that you would not have experienced had that person not been there, had you not been married, that you can then realize, oh, this is something I need to heal, right? And this is right. true for both people. Right, right. I heard Abbot Trifon describe once a monastery as like a rock tumbler where rocks go into the tumbler all jagged and sharp. They go in the tumbler, they smash into each other and the, their edges crack into each other. But as long as there's love there, by the time they come out of the tumbler, both rocks are no longer jagged. They're shiny mm. and smooth. Oh, and I metaphor. think that's just as true for a marriage as it is for right. monastery. 
Right. Because in both cases, you're married. But in one case, you're married directly to God. In the other case, you're married to a person and also kind of to God. Right. Um, but all, all Christians are married in a certain sense. Right. I mean, you're, you're, you're the, Christ is your bridegroom, whether you're a monk, a single person, or a married person. You're already right. married. Right. right. That's the good news. Right. Maybe also the bad news, depending on how you look at it. Um, <laughs> but how you choose to express that mystical marriage, that's the choice between monastic and and. Uh, marriage to a, a person there in front of you long answer to a short question it's no. been good uh the music's been a lot of fun it's really challenging um but i'm having a great time with it yeah what um, are your plans my... with the music is this uh is this a long-term long-term project or sort of just i hope so releasing some creative juices or i mean what what's kind of your envision with some of your music i mean our my plan with nick right now in our in our band akathist is to just keep making music you know we're working on our first album right now we have the two singles out uh, on youtube and on spotify bones of the living dead and then just like 10 days ago or something 12 days ago maybe um when i see you again um so we want to create albums uh there's even a really fun version of the album that i'm not going to um reveal quite yet that was kind of a joke but now we're kind of serious about um and then i had a, another project kind of in the works with another person um, we'll see if that comes to pass. Um, I've been, you know, I've, I've been wanting to be a musician slash working on music for like half my life. I'm just never in a band or actually producing anything, but you know, I can remember, it's kind of weird. I can remember songs I wrote 15 years ago that never actually got written down just in my head, wow. but you know, I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. So it's <laughs> just how my brain prioritizes things. Right. But yeah, my plan with music is keep practicing singing, um, keep the juices flowing. Like you're saying. I kind of have to wait for the musical part to get done uh -huh. because the way it's going is Nick writes all the music. I mean, Bones of the Living Dead was musically done before I ever heard it. And then wow. he sent it to me. I was at work at the time. I recorded, I like something came to me for a melody and some words. I sent it back um, in the, the, the bathroom at, at work. So it's this crazy echo effect in the sample I sent back. That's just <laughs> kind of how it works. Like I heard the music and the rhythm and the guitars and the piano and everything and a melody and lyrics started kind of coming to me based on ideas I've been meditating on, specifically that verse from Second Kings that the song is based on. Um, I don't know if anyone's really understood what the song is, like the narrative of the song, right. but you know, I tried to make it obvious with the quote at the beginning of the lyric video and then having the lyric video itself, just like we did with um, When I See You Again. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. You know, there's songs that I have written that are just a melody and lyrics looking for musicians to create the song around, but that's really, really hard to do. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to have the music done before the melody than to construct a melody first and then the chord progressions around it and everything. Mm -hmm. um, that can be very stressful for the musician. So, you know, try not to do that. But yeah, it's one of many things, you know, I have a, um, a blessing recently to add another creative arm to my ministry. So uh, for me, it's really just an expression of of my orthodoxy, or at least I try to make it that, right. you know, I have no interest in working with secular musicians um, <laughs> yeah. on this kind of stuff. Right. You know, I, I there's a guy, a local guy I, I jam with a little bit, um, but he's an atheist and like, it's, it's becoming clear that even if it's good to practice together, to get used to playing with someone, like at some point there's going to be a divergence, like when it comes down to material, right. song name even, or right. song name, band name. So really, I just, I just want to work with the orthodox people. Uh, or at least people who are Christian of some capacity, ideally Orthodox. Right. You know, I would love to do a collaboration someday with like Matt Smith from Theocracy, I think is his name, Matt Smith oh, or something okay. like that, or Ryan from Demon Hunter. I mean, this is like right. pie in the sky dreams, right? Hey, you uh, put that'd it be out awesome. there, you know, God's will, providence will occur. Maybe, maybe. 
You know, last time we were able to meet in person was the end of Montanica. And so yep. now, uh, this is what, 10 months later, about to be 10 months, uh, next month. So it was, uh, or it was 11 months, no, 10 months, because it was in August we did it last year, and we're doing it in June this year. So 10-month turnaround to, for the other Montanica. Mm -hmm. And I remember after we got done with our speeches, and it was a long day, That's that I think it was a Saturday, we went and we had some nice juicy steaks with Father Deacon and his wife. And you yes, were talking about did. some fitness goals back then. You're you're wanting to maybe bulk up and and add some muscle. I'm curious what's uh, what's the status of Brother Augustine's fitness regimen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm about 15 pounds bigger now than I was at my leanest. You know, some wow, of my uh, interviews of on muscle. YouTube. Dang. Well, it's not all muscle. Okay, that's the thing. Lean bulking becomes more difficult as you age, as it turns out. <laughs> yes, so I've definitely gained some. Sure. I've gained some fat too, so I need to do a mini cut. Um, cause I want to, what I want to do is like four months of bulking, one month, mini cut, four months of bulking, one month, mini cut, something like that. Um, and I also decided recently that I wanted to like get in better cardio shape too, mm -hmm. because I've always been a horribly weak runner. Yeah. And I for the last that. 20 years, I've been haunted by this memory of junior high school coming in last <laughs> in the class for the mile run. Everyone else is back inside the gym building already. And I'm still out there huffing and puffing on the track. It was like 15, 16, 17 minute mile, like really humiliating. And so I got this app uh, six weeks ago called Couch to 5K, which is like a yeah. three day a week training for a 5K. And I also decided I wanted to do first a 12-minute mile was my first goal, then a 10-minute mile. And um, I hate running, so it's a great thing to do Like before I go to work, before the day gets started. I go with my wife to the gym. Um, now I'm working out six times a week, three with weights, three with running. Oh, okay. Um, and just this week, I hit a 12-minute mile that I, I – like on the way to the gym, I was like, I don't think I can do this, but I'm going to push myself to the absolute limit. And when it got down to like two minutes to go – there, dude, there were tears in my eyes. I was like, I got this. Like, my body's hurts, but my mind is fine. And as long as my mind is fine, I can finish it. And then two days after that, I was like, I'm going to go for the 10. Like, I was planning on making this like a three-month wow. process. I'm going to shoot for the 10. And I did the 10 uh, two or three days ago. Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't believe it. And it was really hard, you know. And now I'm just like, well, now how far can I go? How, how much better can I do? And just training to do a 5K. And you know, I don't see myself becoming an ultra marathon runner like David Goggins anytime in the near future. <laughs> yeah. Running with but, you know, shins. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that sounds pleasant. <laughs> Pooping on himself, if I remember right from his book, yeah. his first ultra marathon. You know, that doesn't sound like a good time to me. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm certainly, you know, I'm always trying to push myself in every way I can physically, spiritually, mentally, right. emotionally just trying to get better and better. And um, so this has been great. I'm starting to get to a point where I actually like running because the endorphin dump that you get from like doing something you hate and pushing through it sets an amazing tone for the day. And so I'm almost less concerned with bodybuilding now. Like obviously I want to be in good shape and keep getting stronger. Mm -hmm. I think I'm stronger now than I've ever been, even though I'm oh. completely natty now. I haven't been on TRT in like six months, Wow. Uh, but I was like leg pressing 565 the other day. Wow. Uh, for refs. So I'm going to, I'll be at six plates soon. Uh, Natty, which is kind of crazy. Nice. Um, I just want to be like well-rounded, like can lift some weights, can right. run some distance, you know, right. more of a balanced thing. Yeah. Um, I could definitely, yeah, your, your arms are looking big too, man. I can tell oh, you've been, you've been bulking yeah. up a bit too. Uh, I could definitely, you know, you're inspiring me with this running thing. I hate cardio. I usually just use elliptical to, to get the heart mm -hmm. rate up. And then I'm a big fan of the sort of, uh, 
hypertrophy lifting, so hitting anywhere between eight, eight to ten, eight to twelve reps. Mm. Um, so it, it, it's a. I enjoy it, which really helps the whole gym motivation. Is like I enjoy the feeling mm. afterwards. I, I love it, and it becomes very addictive. The cardio, mm. I hate doing cardio. So you, so you got to do about, it. Uh, persevering through the struggle. It's like, well, I feel, I, I feel a little conflicted. I feel like you're calling me out. So, uh, well, you know, there's some parallels. My my priest is always harping on this, which is great. He's the one that recommended the David Goggins book to, uh, to the men's group at church recently. Um, there's some parallels between like doing something you hate physically and spiritual growth because. In both cases, our our body leans toward comfort, right? That's our yeah. inherent motivation. I'm hungry. I don't want to fast. Let me just go eat something. Take care of this uncomfortable feeling. Oh, right. this barbell is heavy. Let me just you know move on with my day. But when you learn to realize the value of suffering, for lack of a better phrase, and I'm not saying they're equivalent, physical and spiritual, but there is some overlap. And I feel like when you really start to engage in that asceticism. Um, in either direction, really. I mean, I don't know if you can call it asceticism with physical work because it's not really. But, you know, you're maybe it is. Maybe it's fair to call that asceticism. When you get used to doing things that are uncomfortable and your mind being okay with that, mm -hmm. I find that it helps in both directions. Yeah. Um, so I definitely believe that people should be working out um, physically as well as spiritually. Yeah, that, and, and so that ties us perfectly into today's topic. I reached out to you to come on to chat about, again, general... Title of the day stream only God can save us, and mm. I'm actually going to be continuing this topic with Jim Bob uh, this coming Friday. But I've noticed there's a tendency, be it in the ortho community or just generally speaking with human nature, to uh, over venerate, over value worldly men as saviors, and we're mm -hmm. seeing it now. We saw it with 2016, the Trump phenomenon. And we've seen now how that's digressed into him being basically a salesman for Big Pharma, um, him mm -hmm. promoting all the World Economic Forum candidates, and, and you know that running as GOP, whether it be Doctor Oz in Pennsylvania, over a true, you know, black woman who is America first, who is Christian, who does have traditional mm -hmm. values, and so. Um, I first want to talk about is sort of false messiahs and whether it be Trump, whether it be Elon Musk, we're now seeing with Twitter and everybody think, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to set us free. And, and I do think that he is going to not have such strict uh, policing of language on Twitter, but it's also tied to his Neuralink. So if you want to have mm -hmm. access to the global hive mind, what better platform to privately own? than Twitter, with the brevity of messages, the the uh, speed of which people are sharing links and topics and how thing, you know, what's trending. It's the perfect app if you were trying to map the sort of global hive mind and, and, and contemplate the the digital brain interface, whether as they're doing with Neuralink, Twitter would be the perfect option. And so mm. That and then we're seeing in in the orthosphere is what I've noticed is a, an over veneration of Putin and I it, and I'm not mm. trying to take aside Zelensky. No, obviously we yeah. see. It, I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not a Zelensky fan, but I'm just. I've noticed this over like you know. There's too much a political tinge to aspects of online orthodoxy, specifically American converts, and so. Maybe this we can open up here is is just false messiahs and, and kind of your your perspective on this whole uh, Vladimir Putin, Elon Musk, Trump worship, it, it, you know, within even Orthodox conservative circles. Sure. Well, the first thing about Elon Musk and like I was mentioning in our private 
chat. I have not watched news since Joe Biden got quote elected, and I'm I'm I just haven't Good watched you. it. Maybe maybe yeah. five minutes of Tucker because Father Zechariah shared a video the other day. Uh, but I've just completely stopped watching. But I still kind of pick up on what's going on based on what I see on social media. Right. The first thing I think is important is that why are people so willing to leap into a, a, a savior kind of complex with people? I think there's two answers to that. The first answer is that I think people are so used to having their enemies surround them. Like on every side, you see Democrats and Republicans who are just Democrats, but slower. You see really no one helping at all in any of the institutions we're supposed to be trusting. The experts we're told to trust. I think people are so desperate to hear something they agree with that as soon <laughs> yeah. as they see even the slightest word of pushback against some of these forces, they immediately put all their hope on, in that person right. just because it's like cathartic, like, oh, someone is doing something now i have to support this person no matter what because you know they have the same enemies as i do which is not true with these people as we're learning right it's not true they might say they do they might have some of the same enemies but ultimately we're saying that all these rich and famous powerful people kind of are all on the same team right, right ultimately so i think that's the first thing is that people we're in such a bad situation that i think people are just desperate for a word of hope or what appears to be hope right. the second thing and this is kind of a bigger comment on human stupidity in general is that i forgot which church father it was but back when i was doing my video i believe it was against the heresies of jesse lee peterson which is a lot of fun <laughs> to make that video i think it was one of the cappadocian fathers but don't quote me on that said one of the reasons christ became incarnate is because people tend to have a very hard time having faith in something that's not right in front of them the idea of god an invisible god remains an abstraction for many people but if he's right there in front of you and you can see him and touch him and hear him and talk to him, that goes a long way towards building faith. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of it of why people are so tempted by these false saviors is just because they're there, yeah. because they can see them. And you can't see Christ in his body the way you could you know, before the um, resurrection and ascension and everything. Right. So I think people are just much more quick to trust their own eyes and ears than to have discernment and kind of spiritual eyes and ears. Right. And as to Elon Musk buying Twitter, smart businessmen, successful businessmen, do not make investments without a plan. They don't do it out of the kindness of their heart. They don't do it for fun. $44 billion is an obscene amount of money. Right. Elon Musk would not have bought Twitter unless he had a plan, an ROI, return on investment, whether that's from Twitter directly or like you're suggesting, because he can use it to boost his other companies in some capacity, right. whether it's its own you know, profit-producing asset, which I'm sure it will be in his, sure. whatever his business plan was, or it just magnifies something else and works with his other network of companies or products or services, whatever the case may be. There's a plan there. He didn't do it to help you, right? Now, he might believe in a concept of free speech. I'm not saying he doesn't, you know, he seems to believe in it as a general idea. Mm -hmm. But I did see a clip recently that I think I might have been the only person on the internet that actually heard. And I saw it, not that I would ever subscribe to Dave Rubin, but someone shared a <laughs> clip from Dave Rubin of Elon Musk. And Rubin was doing this as like a pro-Trump thing. Elon Musk talking about how he was going to unban Trump from uh, Twitter because banning him was a bad idea. Right. But what Trump, what Musk actually said, if you are listening, was that it was a bad idea because it ended up amplifying Trump's voice to ban him from the platform. Mm. 
Did it, did anyone else catch this besides me? I haven't heard anyone else. I say didn't this. watch the full clip. I, I just saw that going around that Elon Musk says he'll reinstate Donald Trump if he becomes the you know the the owner of Twitter. And I just saw a clip. It was like a snippet of that. And he said, "Well, I would, but I'm not the owner of Twitter yet. You know, there's still things that." And that was the end of the clip. So I don't. I didn't see what he said directly after that. It was only in a couple minutes. And I mean, even if Trump comes back, I think Trump is the best asset the deep state has every time they dangle him out it gives hope to the millions tens of millions of of neocon boomers that just worship him as god right Right. you even had protestants during the campaign saying did you know his name in gematria means messiah he's the chosen one he's here to say it like things you should never say about a mere man they were saying about him and every time they roll Trump out and they show some rally, how he talks about the things that he promised beforehand and never did, the same people fall for it almost every time, right? Like these people just simply do not learn. Trump gets booed from what I'm told and from what I understand at all of his rallies now. Yeah. He's bringing the Johnson & Johnson CEO out, yep. bragging about it, yep. endlessly talks same about the vaccines. Same day that you know, it gets pulled from the market, he's bragging about right. them being there and how much cash they have. Yeah, this guy's got – I was like, what are you doing? And the audience boos, and he doesn't change his message. Nope. He either is a true believer in vaccines or, more likely, he's just a ruthless businessman, and he, he knows who his friends are. You know, George Carlin, the comedian, said it best. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. Right. These people that are presented as these saviors, and they're outsiders, right? Well, they're really not, right? They've been in these circles for their entire professional lives. As far as Putin goes, that's been the craziest thing. I mean, I've I've gone way out of my way to not comment on this since all of this started. You know, I've said very, very few things about this. Um, I will say that I watched Putin's original speech um, when he moved into that eastern region of Ukraine. And it was like an hour-long, 55-minute talk about what he was doing and why. And then I saw Kamala Harris talking about it. And it was very obvious one of these people was a lot smarter and more honest than the other one. (laughs) Like Putin took the time to go through the history of NATO and Ukraine and Russia and all this stuff. And then Kamala's going, basically, there's a country that exists called Ukraine and Russia's bigger and they're invading it. So basically, that's bad. That was her entire explanation for what's going on. And I'm barely, barely paraphrasing. That's almost verbatim. So I, I agreed with Putin's assessment of the situation that I saw, you know, months ago when this happened. But people, like I was, like I said in the beginning, someone who does even one thing that appears to be correct and maybe even is correct, right. they will throw out the other, the, all the rest of that person's life and make him their new champion, right. which can only inevitably lead to disappointment. I mean, how disillusioned were we all with the Trump thing? Right. I was gung ho about it, man. Right. I was out at the Stop the Steel rallies with a megaphone with my America First flag. You know, I was out there. I was there when Proud Boys were fighting Antifa. I was there, right? You know, I was I was taking videos of it, sending it to people. I I was all all about it, and the truth is, I should have learned after the first election, after the first four years of Trump, and I did because I wasn't going to vote again until the Hunter Biden laptop stuff came out, and at that point, it wasn't even a vote for Trump; it was a vote against Biden. Right. Um, but how has anyone been more disappointing as a political candidate than Donald Trump? Was? No, I can't. Think I, of I totally agree. And that's what, um, you know, we see it now, even in the alternative media spheres with uh, the whole America First movement and people over venerating Nick Fuentes as, as the savior mm-hmm. of, you know, white conservatism and all this stuff. And 
um, just as a grown man, it's like uh, there's a lot else going on there that I, I just don't understand why anybody would prostrate before the idol of Fuentes uh, with, you know, orthodoxy. Again, this, uh, the understanding of who God is. And this should be, you know, orthodoxy and our orthodox faith should should come first before any of our political ideologies or uh, support for any one figure. And it's almost like the archetype of God actually becoming man is indicative of human nature wanting to worship man and wanting to mm. find a man. And there is one man mm. that that actually occurred in, but everybody's then sort of recapitulating this this sin of like trying to find the Savior in a man uh, when it happened once, but he was fully God and fully man. That's right. You know, I, I've gathered from the horror that the Orthodox internet, specifically on social media, has been for the last couple of weeks, that some big blow up happened with Nick in America First. I don't follow it. Yeah. Um, and and to give credit where it's due, I'm not saying I disagree with a lot of stuff Nick Agreed. says. Agreed. I just I, don't. I think support, just like Trump. Right. I just sorry, don't support the the entire sphere that comes with it. It's like. I, as a grown man, I, there's a lot there with the incel and the milkies and the chicken nuggies. And it's like, I don't, what are you talking Like, I don't want to be around that. Yeah. That is, that's infantile. It's neotenous. It's juvenile. Yeah. That's not serious people. That's not adult, mature understandings of the world and going about business. No, it's not. And to, and to be fair to both Trump and Nick, I, I think they were both instrumental in moving the Overton window in the correct direction. Just Agreed. to be clear. Agreed. I mean, I think Trump's star has come and gone. I think Nick's, it appears, has maybe come and gone. But you can't deny that they both had a profound influence on moving things in the right way. Like every candidate now calling themselves America first. I mean, they got that from Nick. Right. Really. Right. They, they, they took his messaging and then um, rejected him and his movement, which I think was not fair to him, frankly. But that's very different from worshiping. At, at, like you're saying at the altar of this like 22 year old or whatever he is yeah, right. that's that obviously is i mean nobody's mature at that age really right. at least not in our generation you know right. alexander the great sure conquered half the world at that age <laughs> yeah. but that was a very different time that was a, yeah we're the starbucks generation if we don't have our <laughs> coffee you know in the morning we're not getting out of bed much less conquering all of europe um the worst thing about all this fuentes america first stuff is the the infighting it's caused in public on the orthodox internet right I mean, if I was an inquirer and I'd heard, oh, Orthodox Christian, they say they have the true faith. Let me let me check it out. And I saw the way people are talking to each other. I would run screaming and right. never look back. Right. And if there's an inquirer right now who watches the way certain Orthodox Christians are treating each other and other people, I can't blame them for concluding that we have no grace, no love, no truth, and we don't have Christ, that we don't have the gospel. I can't blame them for concluding that based on the way people are conducting themselves. And so I've been um, just praying and, and doing my best to get people to, if you know, if they can't control themselves enough to not act like this, at least do it privately, like men, right. like the Bible tells us to do. If you have a problem with your brother, right. take them aside privately. You don't air their dirty laundry in public like a dramatic teenager. And then, since we all fall, you know, myself included, chief of sinners, we all lose our temper. We all do and say things we shouldn't. But there ha if there's public repentance after the public fight, that could go a long way towards healing the horrific impression of orthodoxy that the Internet is currently giving people, right? That might even be better than having not seen the fall in the first place. Hmm. If you see people fall and repent, it shows, okay, there's something here. You know, it takes a lot of humility and goodwill to say, I'm sorry, in public, to say, I was wrong about this person. I shouldn't have said this. That takes a lot. And if the people 
scared away from orthodoxy can see that afterwards, then maybe that would change their mind. Go, okay, well, I see these guys had this big fight, said words they shouldn't have said, called each other names they shouldn't have called each other. But they made up after, you know, when their tempers cooled down. So maybe there is something. Maybe this church really does believe in repentance and forgiveness and, and love the way they claim to. Because if the Orthodox are out there claiming to believe in the gospel and acting more vicious than atheists, that's actually worse than just being an atheist. Because the atheists are not claiming to represent Christ. The Orthodox are. If you claim to represent Christ and you're using his name and you have a little Orthodox cross in your Twitter handle, and then you act like an atheist in terms of your vile behavior and vicious tearing down and biting down of other people, devouring other people with your words, well, you're telling people that Christ doesn't matter, right? Hmm. You're telling people that your church has nothing, no power to heal, no power to transfigure, no power to transform. You are the worst possible salesman for our church, for lack of a better phrase, and you should shut up and get off the internet. That's how I feel about it. I mean, the priests, I, I think that some of them, would be served by paying more attention to what their parishioners are doing online yeah. and then saying to them, you need to stop. You do not have a blessing to be doing this. And I'm giving you an obedience. You're going to spend the next three months at church at monasteries and spiritual reading. And then you can ask me for a, a blessing before you get back on social media. That's what I hope the priests will start doing. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned in a, before online about, uh, uh, you know, cer certain uh, Orthodox gentlemen throughout history that may have had a group called the Legionaries, you know, really were averse to bringing politics into, you know, orthodoxy and, and, yep. and trying to promote orthodoxy in the world is in a way. It, yeah, it is a movement. It is its own thing. And therefore, politics shouldn't be brought inside because by nature, by definition, is going to be divisive. And that's right. That's right. And so maybe you well, can speak to the problem with putting politics before our faith. And it's it, yeah. it, that's the big thing. It's not that you can't support who you want to support or, you know, have the views you want to have. I mean, obviously, as long as it's consistent with the faith. But yeah. um, orthodoxy, and it has to be first when we when we especially when we're going to be public people uh, trying to influence what other people think. Uh, we, we can't be too tied to cultural memes and all this type of stuff. We need to be focused on actually truth and God. You know, we need to kidnap Luke Kendrat from seminary, chain him in a basement, and force him to get back to his live streams for Orthodoxy first. <laughs> Just We'll be like, dude, we'll take you back to seminary after, but we need you right now <laughs> to counteract all this insanity going on. Um, so the group you're referring to, the Legion of... Um, uh, St. Michael the Archangel, or also called the Iron Guard, mm -hmm. uh, a Romanian movement that started in the 1920s um, under a man named Corneliu Cadrianu, which became something very different after his death. Yes. We have several priests and even saints that came out of that movement um, that were uh, sanctified by their time in prison. Um, the best book that I read last year that Father Turbo Qualls recommended to me that I'm constantly recommending is called Saint of the Prisons by um, Monk Moisey. Um, it's heard of that phenomenal. One. Uh, Saint Valerio Gafencu was 19 years old when he was thrown in prison by communists for just attending a meeting of the Brotherhood of the Cross, which was like the teenage Boy Scouts kind of version of the Legion. He didn't do anything. He didn't kill anyone. He didn't hurt anyone. He was just at the meeting. And he was thrown in prison, and he died in prison. He spent his the whole rest of his life in prison from 19 years old onwards. And if you read Saint of the Prisons, it's absolutely incredible what what this man became through his suffering. And Father George Calcio, I believe, was also a supporter of the Legion back in his day. Um, 
and one thing Kadrianu said to his people, they did eventually form a political party, to be clear. But at the beginning, some of his men wanted to join the existing political structure to try and change it from inside, right? Kind of like what people are trying to do, oh, I'll join the Republican Party and make it better and clean up the garbage. Right. What Kadrianu said, and he says this in his book for my legionaries, he says, when you add water to oil, it does not clean the oil. It just makes the water dirty. Mm -hmm. Point being, you're not going to enter something filthy and clean it with your purity. Right. You know, Christ did that by coming into the world, exactly. but we're not him. Right. <laughs> we put our faith first. Orthodoxy is not a political movement, right. and it never has been a political movement. When you had theocracy, when you had an emperor, that was arguably still not a political movement. That was just the, the paradigm right. at the time. It's right. not like there were competing parties within it, right. and the Orthodox party beat the Communist Party. That's just never really been how it's gone. Now, there have been Christian political parties, or at least parties that use that word throughout time in different countries. There have been Protestant parties, Catholic parties all throughout Europe uh, and whatnot. But if you're going in there trying to play the game of secular politics, it will corrupt you. Everyone has been corrupted by this that's, that's entered into it, or at least the overwhelming majority. Obama's hair was black when he, when he entered the presidency, right? <laughs> yeah. And he looked like a grandfather a few years later. And I'm not saying he had pure intentions. I'm just saying this takes its toll on people, right? right? And if we think we're going to be saved by politics and politicians, we have to remember Psalm 146, which reads as follows, or at least part of it reads as follows. And this is always the thing to come back to. Even for me, if I find myself being like, wow, maybe this candidate is the one. I have that temptation too. I think we all do. Psalm 146, three through five. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. What are we saying? What, what did King David say in these Psalms? Do not put your trust in politicians telling you to trust the plan, right? The plan of salvation cannot be played out by mere men. Right. We saw the same thing with Q as the, as the ultimate false messiah of the right, right? Yep. Even more than Trump. As the most effective psyop in world history, or one of them, I should say. Right. People need to trust God. If you read through the Old Testament specifically, which is where all this stuff kind of becomes more highlighted, what do we do when the world around us is terrible? Well, repentance was the only way they ever got out of it. It was by following the laws of God and by repenting. The book of Judges, my Tradform speech, I talked about this over and over, reading quotes from Judges 3, Judges 6, Judges 9. Uh, the book of Maccabees, you know, how did uh, Judah Maccabee and his team end up overthrowing the Seleucids, right? The descendants of Alexander the Great, the Greeks that had paganized Israel. Well, they were the ones that were following the laws of God primarily. They didn't try to become the high priest. Um, I think actually one of them might have been, a, I think Mattathias, Judah's father, was a high priest previously. Um, but they left. They left Israel with their group to just follow the law of God. They ended up overthrowing the Seleucids and founding the Hasmonean dynasty, which is the one before the Herodians came in at the New Testament, right? Until they started kind of mixing with Rome too and then mixing with the pagans themselves. But the point being, every time you see, or all through the minor prophets, like I've been going over in my Rockfin series, right. the only way out is repentance. It always has been. Uh, I forgot what archbishop it was, a semi-recent one, and Father Alexander Schmemann also said this, that the greatest tragedy of the modern world is that the Orthodox Christians don't read the Bible. And I agree with them. All the solutions are in there. 
And I know people will get on my case for saying that. They'll say, no, but our services have all the scriptures, all this stuff. And I know I, I go to the same service as you do. That's not the same thing as going home, praying before you read them, meditating on them. What do the church fathers say about them? How do these verses apply to my life? How do I let the word of God and the scriptures form my heart, mind, and soul? Being a passive listener in church when you're distracted half the time anyway is not going to cut it. That's not what we're called to do. Just show up and as long as the people chanting are chanting scripture, that's the same as reading the Bible. No, it's not. St. John Chrysostom, always telling his parish, go read the scriptures at home every day, right? The literacy rate among Christians was not as low as I think is sometimes thought, at least not in the time of Constantinople and St. John Chrysostom's time. But all the answers are in there and people just got to read it and realign their thoughts to what God has told us. Right. Yeah, I think that's, again, that's living the faith and, and not becoming too much of the world. And it's so tempting. And there's, uh, you know, and we all do it to some degree. So it's not like I'm trying to uh, say I, I'm not guilty of the same thing. I absolutely am uh, in certain ways. But we just have to be reminded of this as Orthodox Christians and try to stay focused on on uh, what exactly our true goal and our true message is. So I, I do want to apologize, everybody out there. It looks like I'm having trouble. The, the Streamlabs is really pixelated uh, in regards mm. to it sending its message out to, uh, to YouTube. Uh, so I apologize Uh-oh. to everybody. I think they can still hear us, but uh, the, the video is not very well. Hopefully that will really? self-correct itself. But, um, Let me check. <clears throat> there it goes. Here. It looks like, ah, no, it's still going back out really pixelated it looks like oh yeah oh yeah it's kind of going in and out yeah i'm not sure why it it's been doing this it was everything was fine with the last stream but i streamed it made by jim bob this past friday and it kept doing this and then i contacted Streamlabs. they told me uh to do xyz and it apparently worked for uh you know saturday sunday monday and then now we're back into the same business, so I'm gonna have to contact them. But they said audio is fine. Continue. Well, it's a podcast now. Yeah, it's no a podcast. <laughs> so I apologize, everybody. But uh, no, I think you're, you're 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 the point you're making is so important, and um, and that's why even some of the events like Montanica, I think, are so powerful. We have these real. We we have to take this whole movement out of just being. Um, online into the real Mm -hmm. world and so events like uh montanica where we actually do meet in person and uh and share our ideas and and this and and i'm really excited to meet abbott trifon you mentioned abbott trifon earlier i'm Mm going to be it's like it's ironic i'll be asking for a blessing and i'll be hey i'm actually i'm a big fan (laughs) but yeah uh, it's hard not to be starstruck sometimes right so i i'm really excited for um for Montanica, but maybe again, you can speak to trying to make this bridge from these online communities where orthodoxy is almost just an intellectual thing to bringing it into IRL, as the kids like to say. Yeah. Well, I would like to see more missions starting, frankly, and I know that's going to be a big focus of Montanica too uh, missions and evangelism. I think, I suspect Father Deacon's going to use his speech to try to get as many people as possible to move to Montana and start a mission. Um, but we need more. You know, there are there are places in the country that have little to no orthodoxy. In fact, there are parts of the world, there are countries that have no orthodox churches in them, which severely bothers me. I mean, are we serious or are we not? Did Christ right. give us a great commission or did he not? You know, you contact the Orthodox Christian Mission Center, 
they might get back to you, maybe. They don't have the resources they need, from what I understand, to go start missions in countries without them. I've gotten messages from people in countries with no orthodoxy that want to become orthodox and can't. Right. And so then I've had to, you know, give them the best advice I can, which was to, you know, follow the saints as best as you're able to in your circumstances and travel if you can and, and talk to a priest if you can. And, you know, what answer are you supposed to give these people besides, I'm sorry we failed you? <laughs> right. I mean, for, for all their silly dogma and their errors, Protestants and Mormons have such a admirable zeal for missions and for evangelizing and for bringing the, the, their version of the gospel to all corners of the earth. I mean, where is our fire for this? Why don't we have this? We used to have this, right? right. We had people, um, uh, St. Innocent of Alaska, St. Herman of Alaska, all these people, um, St. Cyril and Methodius, whose feast day is today, talking about how they invented the Slavic alphabet just to bring the gospel to a new region of the world. I mean, incredible. So what happened? You know, St. Innocent of Alaska translated liturgical books into all these different Native American dialects. So what happened? I think it's great that a lot of stuff's been translated from Greek and Russian into English recently. That's a huge step in the right direction, just like these last 10, maybe 20 years at most. Mm -hmm. um, stuff that the English-speaking world has never had. And so I hope and pray we can continue that effort and start missions and bring bring these things um, to people all around the world. And, you know, the Internet is a double-edged sword. It can be a great evangelistic tool. I mean, I think all of us converted from something we saw on the Internet, or at least it right. sparked our interest or made us aware of it for the first time. Right. Excuse me. Um, and that's why it's important, I think, like I was mentioning earlier, to get a blessing if you're going to be out there, you know, promoting orthodoxy and trying to do this kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure obedience is the first step on the divine ladder. It's been a while since I read it, but if we're disobeying our priest, if our priest says, you don't have a blessing to do this, and you go off and do it, then it doesn't matter what you're saying because you're not living the Orthodox life. And that's the most important thing we can do to evangelize is actually live the life that we're saying we live with our lips, right? right? I mean, St. Paul talks about this. He says, even if he speaks in mysterious angelic languages, even if he gives all of his money away to the poor, even if he himself gives his own body to be burned, even if he gets martyred, if he doesn't have love, it's meaningless. It's worthless. It profits him nothing, he says. Right. So even if we disagree with each other, you know, we're not called to agree on every political opinion. I think Christ in his wisdom condescended to our weakness by not saying you must all agree on every political opinion. We are supposed to be of one mind theologically and ecclesiologically. He did say that. We're not called to have the same opinion politically or to always agree on everything, but we are called to treat each other in a certain way, even in, in the middle of disagreement. And I feel like that has been really lost these last few weeks, especially maybe it's just because I'm so new to Twitter. I've had it for only a couple months. Maybe maybe it's always been like this and I'm just starting to become I, it, aware it. It has always been like this. In fact, I think it's a little bit better now because you don't have the algorithm. I mean, as soon as Musk made his announcement, it's like I all of a sudden it wasn't you know, propagated the same promoted post all, all the time. But mm. yeah, you know, and even this political stuff is unfortunately made its way inside the church. And again, we'll, we'll have somebody like Abbott Trifon who, you know, ancient faith decided to deplatform. He had the most popular podcast over on ancient faith, but because he didn't use the soft language or had a firm stance against, uh, medical procedures going on that, um, um, you know, he, he gets kicked off, uh, he gets kicked off ancient faith. And so 
this is just as much as we talk about the ortho online community. I mean, it, it is alive and well inside the church. And so mm. this is in a way, I think the effect of social media, the effect of these, these uh, modernizing and progressive forces due to the over stimulus of media itself. Yeah. And, um, it's tricky because now you have to like almost compete with other platforms in the Orthodox world, which is not, is not how it should be. Right. But you have people like ancient faith and it's uh, content uh, curator, let's say banning certain viewpoints while very knowingly selling books by a woman that's out there posting her pro-life stuff on, or I'm sorry, her pro-choice stuff, which is to say pro baby murder stuff on Facebook. And father Damick is well aware that she's doing this doesn't bother him. He told me, uh, I never said a word about him or any of this till I spoke with him privately. He told me last time I checked, you don't need to have all the right uh, legal opinions to be Orthodox. <laughs> so, you know, promoting the legalization of baby murder, not a problem for ancient faith, warning people about Marxism that's caused more martyrdom of Christians than even the Roman empire did. Right. That's a serious problem, right? Wow. And I, I bit my tongue on that for a long time. I wanted to clarify exactly what was going on. And my response to him was, okay, so if I were out there saying, I think rape should be legal, would you sell my book since you don't need the right legal opinions to be orthodox? Needless to say, he did not respond to that question. Um, and I don't know what's going on with him or with that whole thing or why you would ever think that's okay. Now we also have to compete with the GoArch archons funding Fordham University. And I don't know if you saw this NPR article, this hit piece against the church that just came out. I did. And these are people that are supposed to be like, high-ranking Orthodox people, these archons of Goarch, right? And it's almost impossible that Archbishop Alba de Foros and Patriarch Bartholomew are not aware of what these people are doing. It seems far more likely, of course, I can't make an accusation, it seems far more likely they support it, or else surely they would have said something by now. Right. But no, instead you have sodomites and baby killers pretending that they're Orthodox, they speak for the true church, right? Going in there, pretending to get along with people in their parishes, and then writing not just hit pieces, hit books against them. Right. Where is the outcry against this from from these priests that have a problem with Marxism? Right. Why is only one side called out? You know, we hear all this stuff. Oh, there are some nationalists in the Orthodox Church. Hit piece, hit piece, hit piece, hit book. Right. Okay, what about the uh, the baby killers? Right. You know, Aram Sarkeesian, one of the quote scholars quoted in this NPR article, is on Facebook. Or I'm sorry, on Twitter, promoting fundraisers for abortion. Where, where is all the outcry from priests? Now, to be I fair, know. he's a monophysite and not part of our church. Where are the people saying, where's Father Andrew Stephen Damick, gatekeeper of Internet Orthodoxy, saying, right. just so everyone knows, this guy is not only not even part of our church, he's not even Christian. He's out here promoting wow. fundraiser for abortion. You know, you want to be the gatekeeper of the Orthodox Internet. Why don't you have a spine and stand up and say something instead of banning those who try to protect the church and its people from dangerous ideologies? But you got nothing to say about those ideologies. You know, in his defense, he did say... He did have an article at one point how he's against orthodoxy and dialogue. But okay, that was a while ago. People don't know how you feel about it now, right? You know, given everything that's happened. So where's the fight against these people? Where the fight where's the fight against these subverters? Cardi Swartz, by the way, hyphenated last name, opinion discarded immediately. <laughs> Someone who just wants to hang on to her last name and not not have a traditional marriage and whatnot in that regard. Where where is the pushback against these people, right. the people promoting transgenderism and and sodomy? You know, I I know two people right now, who I, I mentioned in my interview um, with George to, from Judaism to Jesus interview, that are phenomenal examples of how healing the church can be. These two men were in a homosexual relationship. 
They decided they were transgender. They got the surgery, realized what they had done, felt convicted of it, felt rebuked of it, came back to orthodoxy, and now live in celibate repentance as their correct gender. That's what orthodoxy can offer. If the church told these people, like so many of these false orthodox averters do, everything you're doing is great. Christ loves you just the way you are. There's nothing wrong with what you're doing. You want to cut your junk off, go out, go on ahead. <laughs> orthodox church totally tolerates and supports that. They would not be receiving communion and being healed by it. It would be to their damnation, right. eating and drinking to their own damnation. Right. The church has teachings on these things and hard stances on these things, not because we're hateful or intolerant. It's because we have an anthropology that is derived from Christ, right. from his teachings. Right. And if we tell you something is good that's not good, we're actually condemning you and lying to you under this guise of niceness and kindness. Right. But it's not loving. And this is always the thing, why aren't you more loving? Well, to be fair, you have to say it in the right way, right? right. You can't tell someone, you hit them on the head with the Bible, say you're going to hell. Right. You have the to way you say it it's right a, big, a big part of it. It's a big, big part of it. But that doesn't mean we relax the teaching. Exactly. Right? And they always say, well, you, aren't you Christians supposed to be nice? <laughs> I don't see that commandment, to be nice. I see it to be gentle, to be loving, to be charitable. But I don't see what they're talking about being nice of affirming sin and telling people something's okay that's actually condemning their souls. Right. So there are all these amazing amazing things the church can do to heal people of everything. I mean, I was a pickup artist for 10 years. I was a Freemason, you know? <laughs> Right. Roosh was in the pickup stuff much longer than I was. Right. He traveled around the whole world writing books about it with girls in different countries. Right. And now he's orthodox and living in celibacy. But that can't happen if we don't tell people the truth about what the church teaches and who Christ wants us to be. Right. And we have to strike that balance of staying true to the teachings while rebuking the behavior, right? Not the people, right? necessarily, the behavior of the people. And that's exactly and what, if, again, people want to point to the transgenders or, or various sexual sins. And it's like, well, look, Christ... Uh, he accepted everybody. He stayed with the lowliest. You know, it's through humility that we're elevated. But he also told people who were living sinful lives they had to change what they were doing to follow him. It doesn't mean that he he rejected them or ignored them. He went again. He came to save sinners. The way you deliver the message, but also being firm in the sense that they have to change. They have to uh, you know move to the agenda of Christ to be part of this thing. Yeah, and I, 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 I'm not a John Calvin fan, obviously, but he did have a lot of good stuff in his writings, stuff that we could agree with. And there's a great quote from him that a pastor should have two voices, one to gather the sheep and one to scare away the wolves. Mm. Now, if you do all of one and not the other, you're kind of missing that balance. And I agree with him on that. Right. You know, it's important for priests, first of all, to be dispassionate themselves and loving themselves to speak the truth about these things, right? right. If you're going to go full full nice, then people don't know what they're not supposed to be doing. Right. And and if you're not warning them, hey, don't listen to this person who's pretending to be orthodox. They don't represent the church. They're promoting abortion. They're promoting things that God does not like. If you don't warn them, then people who are maybe not as, uh, they don't read as much, they don't have as much time to get into the fathers and saints as other people might, you know, they might not know. They might not know how to discern, well, what do we teach? Right. And so I'm really grateful for the priests that do pay attention to what's going on online. Father Josiah, Father Spiridon, Father uh, Abbot Trifon, Father Zechariah. And they talk about this right. stuff, right? Father John Whiteford, too. He yep. just had a counter article against the NPR article yeah. uh, called Orthodoxy as a Cultural Marxist, Shout not a white nationalist. Shout out to Patristic Faith. All, a lot of those gentlemen are on Patristic Faith. Whiteford, yes, Abbot. Uh, shout out to Father T Turbo. 
uh, Turbo mm-hmm. Qualls. I mean, what a great gentleman. Uh, Father Zachariah Lynch. Um, so, yeah, we, we have to speak out against it. We have to be firm in our teachings and firm in our position as Orthodox Christians, but soft in our hearts and our compassion for others in the way that we try to deliver this message to people. Uh, yeah. It, and go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was saying even even if there are some messages that we might even agree with from these particular critics, they are not the people that we should be listening to to deliver it because it's a poison pill, right? right. They might be right in a certain regard, but every their entire approach is wrong. Their entire worldview is wrong. Like Father Turbo talks all the time, like Father Seraphim Rose did, about temptations from the right, right, to too strong of an ethnic pride, too strong of a nationalism. Those are real temptations. Mm-hmm. And I and I've talked, and I think you have as well. I think we all have at this point about how we can't really go too far in a certain direction. We have to walk right. the royal path. And so if someone says, "Oh, people shouldn't be like," in a certain type of ethnic nationalism, like to a certain extreme, that that's not quite right. I could agree with that. But these people are using, their whole paradigm is leftist, right? They're right. All, all their language is Marxist. They're saying white supremacists in the Orthodox Church. First of all, what is a white supremacist? No one's ever explained to me what that phrase means. <laughs> and I don't think and they, if they know they tell what it means me, just like they don't know what a woman is. <laughs> exactly, right? Well, I can't define a white person. I don't know, I'm not a biologist. Um, and if they say it's a, a white person who believes that white people should rule over all the other races, I'd say, well, I've never met anyone that said that in my entire life. Right. So I've never met a white supremacist in that sense in or out of the church. But they conflate these things that might be real issues with these made up nonsense words right. that are just coming from the State Department and the CIA, frankly, right. um, who are, I'm pretty sure they're funding a large part of all of this anyway. I mean, I can't prove it. I can't point to the receipts. Um, but that's how these things work, right? Like when Gloria Steinem got her uh, uh, endowment, it was something the CIA invented, and then no one else was ever given that particular award. It was just for her. It was to give uh, her money, wow. right? So we know they do stuff like this. Actually, Rachel Wilson talks about this in her uh, excellent book on occult feminism yeah, that I'm going to be interviewing her about in a couple of weeks. She talks about this. Okay, well, when the CIA finds someone they think is pliable to their message and to getting their narrative out, they will fund that person through nefarious means. This is not a secret, through subversive means. Mm-hmm. They'll give them an endowment or some kind of fundraising thing. Well, who's to say that's not happening with these archons? Again, I'm not accusing because I don't know, right. but I know what it looks like. I know what it looks like. Right. And it would be great to see some more discernment among among the uh, the clerics of, of the Orthodox world. Right. No, and I, I mean, that. that's exactly it. And, and that's really what I wanted us to kind of chat about and... Um, you know, we can hit the super chats here, but that's it. You know, we we what this problem of only God can save us. We see it, whether it be with AFR and, and the sort of policing of ideas and and uh, you know, really a political a political tinge. We see it within the online orthodoxy of laity of which we're trying to promote the message of Christ and orthodoxy, and, and we even see it then in clergy itself uh, mm-hmm. with again the ousting of. Abbot Trifon, or we can look at the uh, Archbishop of Goarch here in the United States. Um, I mean, can we can point to a lot of different hierarchs in the Orthodox Church around the world that are doing uh, what, again, God, God bless them, but what appear to be nefarious things, or at least aligning themselves with nefarious powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as... And then that's where I think it ties back to what you're talking about earlier with the fitness and even the music. It's the mature point is to realize only God can save us. And then I need to work on myself. And so, 
this is the, the end point of this whole trajectory of this whole spirituality is that you give up on worldly saviors, but at the same time, you don't give up on yourself. You have to continually work on yourself. And so yeah. uh, that's where it's, again, it's almost liberating. And, and then you see the people who are finding worldly saviors and aligning themselves with that. Uh, maybe they're just not working on themselves enough. And so it's oh, so easy to just find somebody else physically because you're mm -hmm. not doing the physical work of this relationship mm -hmm. with God. Like, we got to do this physical work. Again, he's already done it, but then we need to align with him and follow him. Go ahead. But that's absolutely right. I mean, the saints, the fathers were fairly consistent in like laying out the Orthodox life into three stages, purification, illumination, theosis. Sometimes these words have, uh, they use different words to explain the same thing. Purification, what does this mean? It means overcoming the bodily passions, right? I mean, all the passions really, and purification never ends. Mm -hmm. That's the foundation, which is asceticism, following the commandments. Okay, don't go get drunk. Don't kill anyone. Don't rob, don't kill, don't steal, don't rape, don't fornicate, right? All these things, this is the first step, purification. So if you're still doing any of that stuff, you have much bigger problems than, you know, what political movement is going to help the country. Right. Because at the end of the day, both your life and the country disappear in the blink of an eye. Right. And life it's our sin short. that's contributed to the result that it, then people exactly. are trying to solve politically. It's like, no, this is a spiritual problem and it begins with sin and it begins with the deviation of our will from God's will. Exactly. You cannot find a saint who says, if you want to get from purification to illumination, you know, make sure you follow Elon Musk on Twitter. That's just <laughs> yeah. not in any of the church father books I've read. Maybe there's one that says that in Greek that just hasn't been translated yet. I don't know. I certainly haven't seen it. So we, we overcome the passions first. Ideally, then we move to illumination, which is when um, the saints have their experiences of the uncreated light and they, they start to kind of dwell more in that higher realm, right? They're, they're not living in the body as much. Their soul is kind of rooted in a higher place. And then ultimately, theosis, they're just completely united to God. This is this is the simple simple but not easy path that the fathers have laid out for us, which is to say that Christ has laid out for us. Right. No part of this means putting our hope and trust in some outer savior. And if we're, if we're telling people or ourselves, really, Oh, if only the country was different, I wouldn't be sinning like this, right? If right. only it was easier to find a wife, I wouldn't be masturbating. Well, yes, you would, because it's not about whether there's a woman there. It's that you have a passion and you don't have the self-control to deal with it yet. Right. There are lots of married guys out there. I talk to people. They're married guys with porn problems. Right. It's not like having an outlet for, for this uh, energy stops you from having this problem. And I think a lot of guys delude themselves into thinking that we have to restructure society. So every man gets a woman and she may or may not have a say in it, but you know, that's the trad way. Right. That's the, the government needs to give every man a wife, you know, like their cattle, like you just sell, you sell each man a wife. Right. And that's going to solve their problems. Then they won't have a porn problem. That's not how it works. Right. You want to overcome your porn problem, more prayer, more fasting, more confession, more communion, more time in church, less time on the internet, Give yourself a, I don't know, I think there are porn blocker things you can put on your computer if you have to. You know, if you have a problem, don't put yourself in dumb situations. I say this all the time. Right. You want to know how to stop sinning? Stop doing stupid things in stupid places with stupid people. <laughs> that sounds like a winning formula there. It's a great formula. Oh, every time I go get drunk at the bar, I end up fornicating. Oh, really? What a mystery. I wonder what we could possibly do to solve this. Hey, dummy, stop getting drunk at the bar. Right. Stop going to places where there are drunk single women looking to fornicate, and you're not going to fall into it. Right. You're not going to you're not going to fall into the pants of some drunk stranger if you're in your room reading the Church Fathers. Right. You know. Right. It's not that complicated, but people 
they really want to look outside themselves for solutions. Right, because that's they, the hardest. Because it's work. hard. It's the exactly. hardest work. Is 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 the work inside to then align with the reality that is outside. I mean, it is inside of us, but it's also God's creation and God, you know, as persons, it's also exteriorized as well. I mean, we relate to the Trinity as persons. So we have to do this work in here so we can align with true reality out here. And that's why I'm so always harping on reading Saint of the Prisons or Father George Calcius stuff. I have a certain affinity for these Romanians that were persecuted by communism. I don't know why I have no Romanian blood in me whatsoever, as far as I know. But the sanctification, I mean, they really got it really bad. Um, Pitești prison, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, uh, in Romania was like the worst communist prison that it ever existed. The stuff some of these guys went through and seeing how they were sanctified by it. I mean, is there any greater example that What's happening around you, like a good political situation is not going to save your soul, than seeing how our saints handled prison. Later said they were never as close to Christ as they were when they were being tortured. Wow. And the torture some of these guys went through was horrifying. Father George Kelsey tried to kill himself at one point because of what they did to people. I mean, they not only made you renounce your Christianity, they made you on pain of death force other people to renounce theirs. Wow. They made you into an instrument of terror. I mean, the blackening this must do to your soul, I can't imagine. I can't, I'm not surprised he tried to kill himself. Thank God he didn't. Wow. You can't repent after you kill yourself. So thank God someone stopped him, right? Pulled him back from the edge. But you read their testimonies of these saints and what they became through persecution. I mean, if anything, that should make you want things to get worse. Go, wow, this would really accelerate my spiritual growth, right? right? I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not spiritual enough to pray for that. I'm not saying that. But there's almost that instinct there. Like, well, if everything is so comfortable... What instinct do you have to look inside yourself? Comfort is not how spiritual growth happens. Let's say we did live in the 1950s, right? Which I think a lot of us want, myself included, in a lot of ways. You know, of the nice, safe, beautiful neighborhoods and everything. Okay, but are you going to be as sanctified by that as when you actually have to mean it? It's very easy to be a Christian when everything is going well, isn't it? Right. It's when things are taken from us, when things get difficult, that's when our faith is proven. And I pray that I never have to face martyrdom or make a choice of denying Christ to save myself. I'd like to think that I wouldn't do that. But I've also never been in that situation. And I know that in many, many ways, I'm, I'm spiritually weak. You know, right. We're all tempted in different ways. Yep. It's one thing to say, yes, I'm a heroic man. I know I would, I know I would, I would go to my death willingly because I'm a strong Christian. But your life is comfortable. That's very easy to say, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. How do you, if you really want to know how you'd react in that situation, look how you react when things happen now. You really think that you would go to your death for Christ when you can't stop masturbating to porn? Right. Is that any different? You're denying him when you do that. You don't have the self-control to put it back in your pants and go pray instead. You think you're going to go to your death for Christ? Really? Yep. These hardships are what reveal our passions, you know? And that right. ties back to what we were talking about in marriage. Like marriage is hard. I mean, it's, it's, most of the time it's great. Don't get me wrong. But especially the way me and my wife did this, getting married, moving five days later. The first priest we went to was a disaster, moving three times in as many months. A lot happens in that, in that difficulty. You know, there's a lot of chaos and a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. And in that, we got much closer to each other. And like having gone through that and gotten through that and being together still and happy with each other for the most part, <laughs> as far as I know. If you're listening, I'm sure she's listening. I hope you're happy with me for the most part, babe. Um, <laughs> you know, through that, you get stronger. You know, that that fire tries you. Right. And it proves it proves whether you mean it. 
And so all this hope for political solutions, I understand it too, and I'm right there with you. But the more you start to embrace the value of suffering in a Christian way, not for its own sake, like a David Goggins way, oh, something's going to hurt, let me go do it just because it sucks and I want to get tougher. There's some value to that, but that's not really Christian asceticism. The more you realize in your own life, whether it's through fasting, like I'm doing today, I'm very hungry right now. I would love to eat, but I'm not going to, at least not for a while, not to lunch. And I'm not going to have dairy or or, um, meat because I know that this suffering I'm enduring right now, because it's for the sake of Christ, this is going to grow my soul. Mm. So how is that different from the political situation? Suffering in the right sense can lead to great spiritual growth. Comfort and satiety, being satisfied, leads to stagnation and weakness. So I think what you were saying was right. It's really hard to look at ourselves and focus on ourselves because there's so much work we all have to do. We're all such horrific people, really, when you get down in to the, the chaos in the world. That is that is, again, tying back to the, the prophets of the Old Testament. That's what they're telling the Israelites is look at the chaos. Look at what's happening to you. Look at your country. Look at, again, whatever it is. It's due to your own sin. You've 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 fallen away from God. Um, and that's exactly then what we're seeing, whether it be in the Western world or the United States or uh, the global situation in general. It is, it's all about a sort of falling away from God and that then we are put through trials to repurify that which needs to then realign with him. Hmm. Exactly. And, th- and that's the thing. If we change as individuals, the world will necessarily change around us because the world around us is largely a reflection of our spiritual state to a certain degree, right? These, these horrific persecutions of Christians that have happened throughout time is largely because of what Christians tolerated in their own souls. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Bolshevik revolution is a, an example. The church was not in a good state at the time. Right. I know we all like to have this very uh, you know, high opinion of how great things were under the czar and everything, and the church was so strong. It really wasn't. There was right. a lot of corruption and problems there. Yes. You know, my priest has said that the Bolshevik revolution was kind of a judgment on, on the people right. for what they had done with, with all this power, you know, all this church power and king power. They, they weren't handling it particularly well at the time. And if you look through the Old Testament, this is exactly true of God's people always. Whenever the Jews get enslaved or exiled or killed by their enemies, every time, this is what all the prophets, the minor prophets are talking about. It's God trying to chastise them and bring them back to true faith in him. Right. That's yeah. always what it is. He raises up your enemies against you. It's your fault. Right. It's supposed to wake you up and get you back on the right track. When you get lazy, when you get complacent, when you fall into idolatry, self filthy rich, as some click that. Right. For your own sake, he he sends you chastisement, right? Right. He disciplines you out of love. Okay, well you're you weren't responsible with your nice things. Well, I'm gonna take your nice things away until you learn, right? This is what parents do with their kids, at least if they're good parents, right? Right. If you give your kid a Ferrari and he drives 120 miles an hour and crashes into something, you don't give him another one. You're like, here's a bike. We're going to start at the beginning. You will now ride your bike to school. And maybe when you've shown some responsibility, then we can give you something else nice later on. Right. That's why I'm always encouraging people, read the Bible, read the Minor Prophets. I'm going through them on Rockfin. Yeah. That, Rockfin.com slash Brother link, His Rockfin's link in the video description along with his YouTube channel. So click his Rockfin link. Go over there. Become a premium member. You can watch my premium stuff, his premium stuff, Jay's premium stuff. So go over to That's Rockfin, right. create a membership, and uh, and you'll have access to a lot of great Orthodox content. Yeah, guys, if you go over to Rockfin and become a premium member, for 10 bucks a month, you get access to every creator's premium content. Right. It's like 
it's like a baptized Netflix, right? You pay 10 bucks a month, you get all the movies you want. Except this is way more wholesome than that. It's not like you got to pay each of us 10 bucks to see our stuff. Right. It's just your fee to the platform. And then like David said, you can see all of our stuff. Right. And the minor profits I'm going through, I just finished the sixth script. I haven't recorded it yet. I'm working on the seventh right now. I mean, there's so much to learn. There's so much amazing Christian teaching in the Old Testament that I feel like it's just not talked about enough. You know, mm -hmm. the fathers had commentary on the minor prophets, especially uh, Cyril of um, was it Jerusalem, no, it was Alexandria, I believe, and St. Jerome. St. Gregory the Great commented on it. St. Augustine commented on it. We don't talk about it very often. It's very hard to find Orthodox teaching on the minor prophets. They are full of incredible Christian content and parallels and prefigurations and types. I mean, Malachi, the, the, uh, Malachi, I think it's in the second Malachi 2, if I'm not mistaken, it might be 3. It talks about the liturgy. It says that once God's name is known amongst all the Gentiles, there will be incense and a pure offering offered to him everywhere. Mm -hmm. Guys, liturgy is in the Old Testament. Right. Do you know that? The church is in the Old Testament. Christ is in the Old Testament. I mean, they quote the prophets in the New Testament. Christ quotes from the minor prophets. Paul quotes from the minor prophets. But if you're not familiar with it, you're not understanding what parallels are being drawn, what imagery is being used, what prophecies are being fulfilled. When Christ talks about Jonah in the belly of the whale for three days was a prefiguration of his three days in Hades. Maybe it wasn't Christ that said that, but it might have been. Somewhere in the New Testament says that. Right. Well, this now we, we see that God was telling us what was going to happen thousands of years. You know, well, in that case, hundreds of years before it happened. And it grows your appreciation so much for God and his plan of salvation and what he's been communicating to humanity all this time. Um, it's really, really incredible. And the deeper into the scriptures you get, it's like St. John Chrysostom said, the scriptures are a well with no bottom. There's there's no bottom to how deep right. you can go into them. Yeah, God. I just truth. can't can't recommend enough people and that's a, actually what, read what the Bible. I've, we'll finish on that and we'll jump into these super chats. I know you got uh, you you got things you got to get to. Um, that uh, the, the what I love about orthodoxy is that it, it just goes deeper and deeper and that, you know, it's not the new age. It's not psychedelics. It's not magic where, yeah, there's more you can read, but you sort of grasp it. You sort of, you know, it, it's not as challenging. You can sort of dive through all those waters and sort of swim through all those pools. But orthodoxy, it just goes deeper and deeper and, and the connectivity of, you know, thing, you know, you literally your mental perception, you like connect new dots. You're like, oh. I, you can see the world so much better once you hmm. begin to digest this stuff, try to walk that royal path, and, and then just reading Scripture, reading the, ch the Church Fathers, reading the saints. Um, it, it's just it, it's infinite waters, and that's how you know you're towards, you know, you're in the realm of real truth. God's truth hmm. is infinite truth, and Amen. so there, there is no bottom to it. Amen. All right. Well, brother, thank you so much for hopping on here. Let's just read a few of these super chats real quick sure. and I'll let you go. Uh, sure. First one, shout out to uh, Nate Tanner over on Rockfin throws in $10 and says, my fiance are a catechumen. We just set hmm. our date for baptism for early June. Both of you have been great influences on us. Glory to God. Oh, I found this stream very motivating. God bless you both. Thank you. And you too. Yeah. God bless you as well, Nate. You and your fiance uh, humbled that, again, we could have helped in any way it's really it's glory to god and uh if we could help in any way that's just us kind of being lucky and uh be hopefully being used in the right way but uh, i'm humbled i'm humbled that we could have helped in any way 
it's really amazing what God can do with like people with such dark pasts. I mean, it's kind of mind blowing when I sit down and think about it, like yeah. who I was a few years ago. And now I have an Orthodox Christian ministry and people are like helped by it. It's, it's mind blowing. I know. And none of this is from me. None of it's from me. You know, you sometimes you're tempted to be like, Oh, I'm a hot shot. Like, but wait a second before God, like I, I had made zero progress, right. zero. It's right. all him. Right. Amen. Jessica Z throws in $20 and says, you're smashing it. I love your church. Thank you. Well, again, that's tongue in cheek. Thank you very much, Jessica Z. I appreciate uh, your appreciation for the content. Uh, really glad that you think that. And thank you so much for the support. Um, Frankie D throws in $5 and says to brother Augustine, maybe you could collaborate with father spirit. And I think that's when you were talking about various artists mm. that you wanted to work with concerning your music. Uh, so if, do you want to comment on collaborating with father spirit? I, I didn't know he was a musician. I didn't either. Uh, so I will say this. I had a very interesting phone call a few days ago, which a mind blowingly interesting phone call that I'm trying to make some cool things happen in terms of people to come on the channel, my channel to interview, maybe collaborate with. I don't know about that. Uh, but if you will please keep me and my musical uh, journey in your prayers, um, some cool things could happen potentially down the line. I'm trying not to get too stoked on things that haven't happened yep, yet because, yep. you know, expectation just leads to disappointment most right. of the time. But um, there's, there's a lot of really fascinating people out there that are orthodox, that are really powerful voices for God, that are more in the background than like the ortho bro content creator thing. Mm -hmm. um, but there's some people doing some incredible stuff. Um, and I would love to collaborate uh, in that way. And if anyone is a musician out there, you know, if you would like to collaborate with me, what I do is really lyrics and melodies and singing. I mean, I've been playing guitar for half my life, but that's kind of what I prefer. If you just write a song and finish it, like all the music's done and send it to me for vocals, I'll see if I can come up with something cool. I'm always happy to work with people. I mean, I can't promise you I will. Sometimes music is just bad. I mean, I've had people try to collaborate with me, not Orthodox people, but I've had people reach out um, on different like musical platforms and apps be like, Hey, can you put vocals to this? And I was like, no, like you have to be, you have to let people down nicely. Right. You can't be like, actually, you don't know what you're doing. And that sounds terrible. You say, Oh, I don't think that's quite my style, blah, blah, blah. So I can't make any promises, but if I like something you send, I'd be happy to collaborate with anyone who's, who would like to. Sounds good. Yeah. I just keep that. But don't be offended. Mind. If I don't like it though, just yeah. please don't be offended. If I don't like it. Uh, if you guys uh, are you willing to uh, potentially uh, make that leap and, uh, you know, you may get criticized, but if you got some good stuff, send it to Brother Augustine and uh, he'll let hey, you know what he thinks too. and potentially there is a collab on the way. So uh, that's yeah. for any, any of the musicians out there who are listening. Uh, make sure you reach out to Brother Augustine if you're open or interested in potentially working on something. I get criticized, too. It's better for my soul than the compliments. You know, someone told me the other day on uh, When I See You Again that uh, I sounded like Kermit. You know what? So does Jordan Peterson. He's done well for himself. Well, so he, God he bless does. You. I don't get the Kermit. Uh, you don't, to me, you don't I don't think like I Kermit. sound like Kermit. I do have a bunch of stuff going on in my sinuses and my nose that are making me more nasally than I should be. I'm probably going to get surgery in a few months because I found out I have a deviated septum and uh, gigantically inflamed turbinates. Like it's hard for me to breathe. I soft tissue collapses when I breathe through my nose. Well, that might Stuff that's affecting running. my quality. Dude, I can't wait to be able to breathe. Oh man. 
to be able to breathe through my nose the whole time, I'm sure it's going to be like a different world. I heard oh, Joe sure. Rogan talk about after he got nose surgery, it was like he had a nose for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I so. bet. Next super chat comes from Rachel Wilson. Throws in nine nine. Hey, shout out to Rachel Wilson. Uh, we're we're big fans of her. Had her on a couple times and love her book, Occult Feminism. Uh, she throws in nine ninety nine and says, "Thank you both for this much needed stream. Do you think young men flock to people like Trump or Fuentes because Americanism leaves no monarch or crown to be loyal to?" I think all young men of a particular character have a desire for monarchy. And I think ultimately that comes down to our being created in God's image and likeness mm -hmm. and knowing that we have a king, right? Everyone on some level in their soul knows that they have a king. And some people fight against that instinct, right? They become atheists or anarchists or whatever, and thereby make themselves their own king because you can't escape it. Mm -hmm. You can't escape your programming, for lack of a better phrase. And I think that when things get really bad, that's when you look for a strong man politically. And historically, that's always when the strong men have rose up is in the midst of communism and just horrific mismanagement by the political bureaucracy of the day, whether it was incompetence, controlled opposition or some combination. At some point, it becomes clear like, oh, we just need someone with some strong person to come in and kind of clear this mess out to drain the swamp, so to speak. Right. Um, so I understand the instinct and I totally you know, I feel the same way. I have no interest in politics. And are you a Democrat or Republican or blah, blah, blah? You know, historically, communism and the state that our country is in has never been solved by these problems. It's always been solved by a strong man. Right. But that's the danger, right? We don't want to make make ourselves, you know, throw ourselves at the feet of the Antichrist by accident just because, oh, look, a strong man, the guy that says the right words. And in his case, the Antichrist case, even doing miracles. Right. Right. We'll deceive. We'll deceive even the elect, the Bible tells us. So if you have that instinct to throw all your support and your soul behind some strong seeming leader, the danger is you're going to worship the Antichrist. The Bible is very clear about this. Even the elect, even the faithful Christians will fall for this. So we should always be on guard against this instinct, even when it's understandable, I think. Yep. Amen to that. Next super chat comes from Keenan Beats. Throws in 1999. Hmm. Says for the education yeah, and entertainment. Kenan. Well, Keenan, uh, he's a musician, so he should definitely reach out to you. Uh, yeah, I met him in San Diego. Actually, he came to my parish. Oh, oh yeah. So you've met him. If it's the Keenan, I think it, it is. is. I only it know is. one. He Kenan. was living in San Diego for a while. Yeah, he he's Except made a, and uh, Kel, some music, guy. and I use it for some of my intros. So, uh, oh nice, very talented uh, musician. So. Very yeah, cool. he's got a, he There was a musician at the to last you. Montana too. Remember, remember Hara from Montanica? Yeah, yeah, he's back to making music too. Oh, I nice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's going to make it to the second one, but yeah, he's a cool guy. Nice. Well, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, the second one. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Next super chat comes from Richard Osger, and he says, hey. "You know, Richard, uh, he says the narrow way is not a lukewarm drought." Flags without Numa are just dead matter. I am exceedingly glad to hear you guys talk on this. A thousand half loves must be forsaken for to take the human heart back home to God. Rich Oscar is the editor of Gab News. Uh, so yes. if any Orthodox Christian listening would like to get an article published on Gab News that has the potential to reach over 4 million people if Andrew Torba likes your article enough to mail it, you can reach out to me and I will put you in touch with Rich. He's always looking for more Orthodox stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Shout out to shout out to Richard and, and all the work you're doing, brother. God bless you. I know he's going to be at Montanica, so really looking forward yep. to meet him in person. 
Yeah, him and Chase Mudd are coming up together. Yes. Apparently, it's a thirty-hour drive. Well, from and uh, from from the word on the streets, Rachel and Andrew will also be with them. So it's going to be a four-person. I road hear. Trip. Oh, they're coming with them. Yeah. Oh, cool. Very cool. Next super chat comes from Nathaniel Hill. Throws in. $40. Shout out to Nathaniel. Been longtime supporter of the stream. Says cozy 144p stream. Yeah. Sorry about the graphics, guys. Again, <laughs> I apologize. I have no idea. I'm going to have to talk to Streamlabs once I get off here. No idea what's going on. Uh, he says, uh, we have no other help by uh, Patro Mail Choir. And here's the YouTube link. Um, awesome. So uh, I totally, I totally hand. agree. Thank you so much. And Nathaniel is, a, again, a great member of our community. Him and his wife have recently converted, been baptized into the Orthodox faith. They have awesome. uh, beautiful young children. And so Nathaniel is a really sharp and smart guy. And, uh, you know, somebody who grew, who grew up similar to you outside the faith, didn't have Christian parents, and through journeying, through pursuit of truth, you know, now has a beautiful family, beautiful wife, and they're all Orthodox. They, they, the whole family just got baptized. So uh, God bless you, Nathaniel, and your family. Uh, wish you nothing but the best, man. And, and again, for anybody, um, he, he put the link to a YouTube video called We Have No Other Help by uh, Patram Male Choir. Patron it's a beautiful Mayor. song. So uh, go check that out, guys. That's what he wanted to share with everybody with his super chat. We Have No Other Help by Patron Mail Choir. Next super chat comes from Pacific Samizdat. Um, and he says, Father Turbo Qualls has had good observations about the Antichrist, that too many people assume it will be an overweight black lady, but there, <laughs> but that really won't be the case. Um the final Antichrist will likely be based in a lot of ways. I always pictured the Antichrist as a, a, a homosexual, I just so it would be the oh. full inversion of Christ. Um, but, yeah. It could be a female black homosexual in your <laughs> paradigm. These aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah, it could be a trans, yeah, a female. Or, again, I don't know what a woman is anymore. It's so confusing. That's right. You're not a biologist, <laughs> so how could you possibly know? Uh, but thank you so much, Pacific uh, Smazadat. Uh, he's he was from Montanica too. You met him. Oh, he's one of the Jewish converts. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he was sitting next to me at the table at the bar right before that guy passed out. Oh Were you there for God. that? <laughs> yes. Dude just collapsed. It's horrifying, man. Wow. Well, shout yeah, out to you, scary. Pacific. Thank you very much for supporting the stream uh, again. And then next super chat comes from my buddy, uh, Dr. Michael Moeller. Throws in uh, yeah, twenty dollars, Doctor Mo. Uh, he said he met you one time, uh, ran, random occurrence in San Diego, and mm -hmm. he. Uh, so this, let's see, it's May twenty eighth, I believe. It's twenty seventh or twenty eighth. Uh, it's it's a, it's a Friday, um, but uh, he is getting baptized. He's at Saint Barnabas. Awesome. And okay. um, it turned out that Father Deacon also has th uh, two childhood friends deep into the psychedelic community, all that stuff growing up, they're also getting baptized at the same church. So me and Father Deacon are going, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate. Dr. Mo asked me to be his sponsor and godfather. And so me mm. and Father Deacon are going to be there as godparents, sponsors for our friends who are now getting baptized in the Orthodox faith. And they just have me at the same parish in the same Perfect. baptismal service. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. When I met him, he told me he had messaged me on Instagram like months previous that I hadn't seen. 
And so after that, I looked through my messages and I never found anything from him. So I couldn't like reach out back. So uh, if you're listening, I, I made an attempt to find you. Um, I wasn't able to find your message though. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Uh, Dr. Michael Muller, he's, he's a great guy, a naturopathic doctor down there in, in SoCal, uh, Midwestern uh, boy, just like me. So he's over from mm. Illinois. But shout out to you, uh, Michael. Can't wait to get out there for your baptism. I got his I got his baptismal cross. I got his icon. I got some uh, a little special nice. something for him. So excited nice. to get out there and see everybody. Next super chat comes from Pavel on the fire. Throws in two dollars mm. and says, "God bless." Well, thank you so much, Pavel. Thank you, Pavel. And um, and then Pacific uh, Smazdat throws in another super chat and says, "We'll be great to see you both again at Montanica 2.0. Hope, yeah, hope all we right. have even more Jewish converts this year." <laughs> Sm- I hope so, face. man. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. So again, I I look forward to it. Uh, I know you. Uh, is your wife going to be able to attend uh, Montanica yeah. this year? Excellent. So yeah, you both and you know there. she's she's going to have a. a a show with Allison soon on devotional. Oh, Heart, nice. Actually. Nice. Yeah. My, oh my, my wife so... has, uh, she is a jewelry connoisseur of sorts. Uh-huh. Uh, specifically, she's been making Orthodox bracelets, like prayer bracelets with different charms, some like solid gold crosses and Theotokos beads, all this cool stuff. So for any of the ladies coming to Montanica too, or guys that want to treat their girlfriend or wife to something nice, uh, my wife will be bringing her Byzantine bracelets uh, for sale after the talks there as well. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. Uh, I know you're, you're a little esoteric on regarding your personal aspects of your personal life. So, uh, you, she's going to make the appearance on Allison. The whole ortho world's going to, uh, yep. know more about your personal life, your wife and, and some of the things. So she's on. actually been yes. interviewed in the orthosphere before people just don't know. But no one knows who she is. Yes, yeah. They just, yeah, they yeah. just haven't made the connection yet. Correct. They will soon. They will soon. <laughs> Well, brother, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I, I apologize for some of the, the graphic problems, but everybody said the audio was was totally fine. So, uh, you know, I really appreciate you speaking out to some of the um, the American converts over venerating Putin, uh, the Russia mm. worship, um, and people maybe be, being a little bit too political in their online orthodoxy. And so... Um, you know, yeah, I, I got think, in a lot of trouble for pushing back on Putin. Well, Sorry, I know you're I know I you're know. doing an outro, but yeah. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, the guy's military built a statue of Lenin or yep. put it back up. In and they still they'll still have Soviet How, Union flags, uh, Lenin flags at rallies. I know. Um, and I got Russians telling me, I just don't understand what this means to them. I say, well, he killed lots of Christians, right? Like murdered a bunch of Orthodox, <laughs> right. murdered the czar and his family. You guys remember that part? <laughs> I don't know how you can worship a man. They're like, well, it's it's for history. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember all the Jews built all those Hitler statues, right? For history, like, <laughs> right. this is ridiculous. Yeah, I know, and and that's the thing with the, uh, you know, he's building. He has a whole, re, you know, Russia had this religious program to build places of worship, and we're like, well, look how many Orthodox churches and the military cathedral and all this different stuff. Well, which guys, is very cool to be. It, it is. It is. But he's also building as many mosques. And so anybody who's familiar with Russian culture and, you know, there's a lot of Muslims in Russia. And even according to their Russian numbers, they're, you know, if birth rates don't change, Islam's going to be the dominant religion of Russia in the next hundred years. So uh, now half of them are in the UFC now too. half these Russian Muslims from Dagestan. Yeah. 
So and and they're not they're not shying away from having children. They're not shying away from no. building large families. And so um, I, I think that unfortunately for a lot of American converts, uh, Russia is sort of um, secluded from understanding because of the linguistic difference. And so it's easy to then over-venerate and over-sort of emphasize the positive values of orthodoxy in Russia because of their orthodox heritage and all the Russian saints and all the Russian icons. But, again, we just need to be nuanced. We have to focus on Christ. We have to focus on truth. And we Amen. have to call out things. So when Russia does something good, you know, I, for example, the latest, uh, the latest speech from Putin I thought was really good. Uh, he was talking about how the West has fallen away from tradition and, and they don't know what a man mm. and a woman is and, and, and agreed, absolutely agreed. But when he has a Lenin statue, when he talks about the, you know, how strong the Soviet Union was and well, then we have to call it out. We, we can't, you know, again, the That's royal right. path is to not let then not let ourselves be polarized one way or another, you know, not hate Russia, pro Zelensky or all about Putin, you know, hate Ukraine guys. That's the problem. That's the game. That's the whole game. We Amen. have to stay right in the middle, focus on Christ, focus then on ourselves, and then navigate the world as it comes. 100%. Well said. Well said. So, uh, again, thank you guys so much. Smash that like. Thank you again, brother, for coming on. Uh, God bless you and your family. God bless your wife. Um, and thank then, you. Is there thank anything? You. You I, I have your YouTube link and your Rockfin link in the video description. Is there anything you'd like to say to the people before hopping off here anything i'd like to say to the people oh so many things i feel like i'm gonna spend my whole life saying things to the people for as long <laughs> as i can what do i want to say to the people stick to your prayer rule and make sure you're doing the fasts the way the church tells you reading about fasting and being like yeah okay i get it like i don't have to do it i understand you know what the father said that's worthless you have to actually do the lifestyle that we're called to do and to live to actually get the benefit. It's like reading about business is not going to make you money if you don't start one. Sure. Just the same way, reading about prayer and fasting will not profit you anything if you don't do it. So if you don't have a prayer rule and a fasting plan with your priest, go make one next time you talk to him and stick to it. And I promise your soul will thank you for it. Mm. Great advice. All right, guys, uh, I will be back. God willing, I can get these technological issues worked out Monday or Friday with Made by Jim Bob to really kind of continue the conversation. Uh, Brother Augustine and I just started here with these false messiahs, and we're going to be talking about scapegoating and how scapegoating is the opposite of this focus on the self. And then mm. the false or the false saviors is then this this aspect of finding somebody outside God to, to sort of uh, lead us out of the darkness we're in. So I uh, hope everybody's able to join that. Thank you again, man, for coming. God bless you. Yeah, thank yours. you for having me. Yeah, well, thank you. We're, we're looking forward to seeing you in Montana. Yeah, I can't wait. You know, and, and, and by the way, uh, Isaac, uh, ortho, I think, Shad, well, I think his handle is like ortho muscle or something on some of these social medias. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we're going to do a chess session that Thursday that we, that, uh, the 16th. Is he coming out? Huh? Yeah, is he coming this time to, the, to Montana. The, yeah, June 16th, oh, okay. I arrive. So if you're there a day early, we're going to go hit. I think he goes to wines here. We're going to get some day passes, and we're going to go okay. hit a big chess oh. session. So if you're able to oh, join, I don't know if I'll be, be there Thursday during the day. Huh? If I can, if I can be there on time, absolutely, I'll come join. Yeah, so that that was the goal. I was going to try to bring some – bring a uh, – 
some technological equipment to try to film and maybe make a video of, uh, you know, the first day of Montana, uh, getting a, a nice orthodox, uh, chest workout in, try to pump Sounds up, good. pump up those, uh, those chest muscles. So that's right. That's right. All right. Well, everybody. And, and by the way, father Deacon told me yesterday, all the tickets for Montana have been sold. There are no tickets available. All 125 wow. have already been sold. So, uh, can't wait to see everybody who's already has a ticket and is going to be able to make it again. It's going to be much bigger. And I, and I'm really excited to, to see you again, be able to talk in person and, and especially to meet Abbott tree fund. So, Anybody watching who's got Montanica tickets, I and Brother Augustine will see you there. So I'll be back Friday. Until then, as always.